Возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к предверию нашей надежды, да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа, мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которое очертила десница Твоя для поклонения Святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество – все это да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего, пропитай нас Духом Твоим Святым, позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки, веди его рукою превознесенную, великий Бог, Отец и Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться.
chapter 2 verses 8 through 11 
To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Be faithful, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Under trials in this case, is persecution for the truth from position of those people who call themselves as apostles but are not so. And second, all kinds of illnesses must be overcome and faithfulness to God and keeping our trust in God are riches because not many Christians when facing certain difficulties remain faithful to God. The reason why devil has the right to test us with afflictions lasting 10 days is comprised of this, that we have a certain relation to the law of Moses thanks to our dependence on our uh, fleshly inclinations that come from the old man that represents in our body the power of death. And therefore, the law of Moses in the image of the ten days is given not for the righteous, but for the sinners. Until, while we depend on our fleshly inclinations, we will be under the authority of the law. A devil is going to have the right to place into the prison of darkness all of those who are a part of the law. Therefore, to be contained in this prison means to be contained under the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ be given to those who believe. Galatians 3.23 If a person in these symbolic ten days remains faithful to God, he has promised the crown of life, which we refer to as the authority of life over the authority of death and over all of that that death produces. Psalms 32 or 34, 11. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. All those who search for God compensate their need in every good and search for seeking God's countenance. Despite the fact that the law has a certain relationship, therefore we are decaying, we are sick, but when we consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God and we call the inexistent as existent, in doing so, we can search for the countenance of God. Then in this manner, God is our food, our riches, our wisdom, and our inheritance. And if we were to not have had all of the good, all the goods of the earth, or deprived of the ability to search for God and have communication with Him, then not one of the early earthly goods would be able to satisfy our need, and we would view this kind of state as a loss and as 
second death. And so to be clothed in the crown of life and to overcome the second death as well as all that comes from the second death, it's necessary when we are met with afflictions to not moan and groan, but to remain faithful fulfillers of the commandments of God. It is the fulfillment of the commandments that testifies of our faithfulness to God and thus gives God the right to protect us and bless us. Despite the fact that the vision may tarry, but the fulfillment of the promises of God are comprised of us in our heart to have clearly written on the tablets who God is for us, what God has done for us, who we are for God in Christ Jesus. All of the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen to the glory of God through us or through his messengers. And if the messengers of God with the power of the Holy Spirit have proclaimed these promises, then they find their legal foundation. Until while they were written in Scripture, no one had proclaimed them and they did not have a legal basis. But as soon as under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the messenger of God proclaims this promise as, as actual, it receives a legal foundation for us. And there, it's very important to hold this promise in ourselves, whatever may happen, However, time, however much time may, may pass, the longer the time will be, the greater the victory. It, God did not just tarry the fulfillment of the promise. He wants us to become victorious. He did this to grow us into the full measure of the stature of Christ so that we can accept the royal promise that is contained in destroying the power of death in our body in the dimension of time until the rapture and building in our life the power of eternal life. Only this category of people will be raptured unto God. It is the fulfillment of the commandments of God that testifies of our faithfulness to God and thus gives God the right to protect us and bless us to destroy the power of death and to build the power of life. At the foundation of the fulfillment of all the promises of God that regulate relations between God and His nation is our correct relationship toward the commandment of tithes and offerings, because the root of all evil is money. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and the root of all good is authority over silver expressed in our offering to God of tithes, according to those decrees that are found in Scripture. And as we have noted, it is specifically this main commandment that was the root of all evil, and that was placed as a foundation in Eden, it has become the immune system of the spiritual man that is able to resist every thought that is, that is in rebellion. All of those who don't accept this, they will be cast out of the Church of Saints, they won't be able to stand in the Church of the Righteous. And the Holy Spirit will work to cleanse the Church of these people. 
These people don't understand God's order. For them, their own head is their apostle, prophet, and teacher. That which they understand with their mind, the order, the body has an order, and it's not an organization, it's an organism. Organism has only one head, which is Christ. And Christ places one representative in each church. This is the pastor of the church. And when people don't agree with this, then what does this tell us? That these people don't have protection. They challenge the order of God. Their immune system is weakened. Why? Because it is this that is the foundation or the basis, as we had talked about. And therefore, we are going to serve God in tithes and offerings, honor Him. We are going to sing together. And we will remember that each time we honor God in tithes and offerings, we express our love and we acknowledge His authority over us. And this is not all. We also say that we are tithes. Because if we are not tithes, not belongings of God, and we offer tithes, then this does not please God. It's necessary for our, for our altar to be sanctified, for us to be holy unto the Lord for us to be his tithes and to affirm that we are hallowed to him and we offer our tithes with joy. And this is the hunger and thirst to honor God. Let us stand and let us honor God, worship him, acknowledge his authority and express our love. And so I would gladly remind you that each time Israel had honored God in tithes and offerings, either in the tabernacle of Moses or the temple of Solomon, they were called to, according to the words of Moses that he had received as a revelation from God, to lay their hands over their offerings and to proclaim one unique proclamation that they were faithful to for thousands of years. We, being that same Israel, tied to that same root, drinking from the, suit, from the fruit of the same tree, will do the same thing. Please raise your right hand, a symbol of your righteous act, over your offerings, and pray along with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I have separated the tithes from my home, and brought them into your home, so that your home may have food. I did not give impurely. I did not give in sorrow. I did I do not give for the dead. I rejoice that I have the privilege to express my love and to acknowledge your authority. And according to your word, I ask you, May your heavenly windows be opened and may your blessing come down abundantly upon your redeemed nation. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated.
And so if you have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that continues to great depth of unfamiliar things. Matthew 5, 45 and 48. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called, Called to Perfection. That you may be sons, this is a command of the Father to his children. The sons of the Father, they will be the rain that will pour out upon the righteous and unrighteous, and the sun that shall pour down upon them or shine down upon them as well. And we know how the rain and the sun shine and pour down differently for the one and the other. The rain pours down as a blessing for the one and as God's wrath upon the other. Linked to the path that leads us to perfection, we have been studying the path that leads us to God as to our groom in the symbolic story of the path of Rebekah to Isaac and have been studying the signs presented in the Bride of the Lamb. Rebekah presented these signs in the virtues of the lilies of the valley upon which we are called to look so that collaborating with the truth and the power of the Holy Spirit, we then form ourselves into the image of perfection that is in the likeness of our Heavenly Father. Luke 12, 27 through 32. Consider the lilies, how they grow, neither toil nor spin, Yet I say to you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And you do not seek that you should what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all the things that these things the nation of the world seeks. And your Father knows that you need these things, but seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for your Father gives Father's good pleasure is to give you the kingdom. Consider the lilies means to seek the kingdom of heaven and doing so dress into the perfection of our heavenly father. And for this reason, this purpose, we turn to the unique relationship of the most beautiful of women and her beloved, whose state and function of the heart identifies the virtues of the lilies of the valley that represent in her heart the kingdom of heaven that has come into full strength. We have been studying this relationship in the allegories that are presented in the book of the Songs of Solomon. We see the requirements of the most beautiful of women to look at unseen goals, these unseen goals being the virtues of her beloved, because based upon the words of Scripture, unseen goals upon which we are called to look in the virtues of God, in the unity of all of His commandments, presented in the life dynamic of the growing lily, are eternal. At the same time, seen or physical goals, reflecting materialistic success, blissfulness, and fame, are temporary. We being children of God, when we pay attention and look at physical or seen goals, they transform us from worshippers of God into idol worshippers, and in result, a harvest of eternal dishonor, shame, and wilting. When we look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, anointing, blessings that God promises us, then 
those things we look, the fact that we're looking upon them, these, the blessings that God has, they transform us from worshipers of God into idol worshipers. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, anointing and blessing become our idols, which we begin to seek and that we worship. And so we will then yield a harvest of eternal dishonor, shame, and wilting, because obedience to the preached word is impossible without looking upon God's word. Therefore, the principle of looking is the act of one of the most powerful methods and principles of sowing into the soil of our heart. Those objects that we look upon with desire are sown into the soil of our heart and produce fruit that transforms our essence into the nature of that object. Therefore, when we look at unseen goals in the dynamic of the growing lily that contains within itself the kingdom of the law of grace, they transform us into the image of the Son of God and produce an eternal weight of glory. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, 18. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We need self-discipline to keep our mind focused upon the unseen promises of God. Who God is for us and what He has done for us. This is very important because the fruit, it is linked and our soul is still uh, uh, yearning for the things of the world and our mind needs to continually focus upon him. The object of the study of our unseen goals that are contained in the virtues of God in his specific requirements and commandments is the requirement to look at the covered process of life that flows in the dynamic of the growing lily. The growth of the lily is the manifestation of the life of resurrection in the body of a holy person, which becomes possible due to the death of the seed of the planted lily. 2 Corinthians 4, 10, 11, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Therefore, the death of the Lord in us is the seed of the lily that has been fertilized in the soil of our heart. At the same time, the life of Jesus inside of our body is the fruit that has been grown from the seed, the fruit being the lilies of the valley. The beauty of the lily is one of the imperishable virtues of the Heavenly Father Himself, revealed in His Son Jesus Christ as well as those people born from God in Christ Jesus that have grown the seed of the lily into full measure of growth in Christ. Here is what the Lord says about Himself, about His own virtues and the virtues of His most beautiful of women. Songs of Solomon 2.1.2 I am the rose of Sharon and the lilies of the valleys. Like a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. And so the natural beauty of the lily in the virtues of the bride of the Lamb are contrasted to the thorns, the nature of the other daughters attempting to claim the calling of the bride and the attention of her groom. Defining thorns, these are the cares of the generation, where a person looks upon seed or visual goals, these goals being materialistic success, which chokes the seed of the kingdom of heaven in the death of the Lord Jesus and is sometimes without fruit.
This seed does not die in the death of Jesus. This is specifically why the other daughters claiming the status of the bride and the attention of the beloved are in the likeness of thorns because the, their goal, the object that they look upon, became seen materialistic prosperity, blessings that are linked to anointing, gifts of the Holy Spirit, and all kinds of other blessings. The image of the lily in the heart of a person is the result of looking upon unseen goals that are contained in the virtues of the Heavenly Father. The result of us looking at unseen goals is the fruit of eternal life, which is the kingdom of heaven that has come into full strength, that was previously received into the good soil of our heart in the form of the seed of the death of Christ Jesus. We Made, made the conclusion that we are created by God with such a purpose and such abilities, looking at specific goals, be they positive or negative goals, we are transformed into their essence and their image. The essence of our abilities is that we are unable to look at two battling between themselves and rising up against each other goals at the same time. This is the seen and wilting and the unseen and eternal. Before looking at two battling between themselves goals, we, as people given sovereign rights, need to make a choice, a choice benefiting either the seen and perishable or, the, or benefiting the unseen and imperishable. Deuteronomy 30, 19, 20. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give them. Deuteronomy 30, 19, 20. Therefore, to choose eternal life and be dressed within its power, we need to not forget and always focus our mind upon the unseen virtues of God. In this situation, the dynamic of life that flows in the growing lily. Unseen goals, being imperishable wealth, present the interests of eternal life in God and with God. At the same time, seen or visual goals, these being perishable wealth, present the interests of eternal death in Satan and with Satan. To look upon unseen goals means not to look back or when you know the path of righteousness, not turn back from it. The many meanings and many functions of life that is contained in the unseen virtues of the growing lily called to identify the nature of good work in Christ that we are called to fulfill when serving God, this is our purpose and blessed destiny in God. The image of the growing lily is the image of a person that possesses a wise heart due to the fact that he accepted the mind of Christ, or more accurately collaborated his Christ with the Christ of, uh, with his his mind with the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit herds or tends a man with a wise heart between the lilies, upon the conditions that this person converses with other people that are like him, dressed into the virtues of the lilies of the valley. Proverbs thirteen twenty. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Foolish people hope and trust upon the abilities of their intellect and are identified in Scripture as corrupt company. 1 Corinthians 15.33 Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. 
Therefore, to determine and examine ourselves whether you belong to the family of the lily, as well as if you are a part of the one who tends or herds you, and among what truth we are being tended or herded, to determine it is necessary to have a full understanding of those qualities and characteristics that, they, that are given to the most beautiful of women in the virtues of the lily of the valleys written in the book of the Songs of Solomon. It is also necessary to have a full understanding of those qualities and characteristics that are given to the one who tends us, or more accurately, the one who is our shepherd in the book of the Songs of Solomon. And it is necessary to identify those people amongst whom the beloved tends us. In a particular format, as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith, we have already studied a series of allegories that contain signs that identify the image of the bride of the Lamb in the virtues of the lily of the valley and have been studying one of the signs contained in the book of the songs of solomon in the dialogue of the most beautiful of women with her beloved songs of solomon 5 2 through 5 i sleep but my heart is awake it is the voice of my beloved he knocks saying open for me my sister my love my dove my perfect one for my head is covered with dew my locks with the drops of the night I have taken off my robe, how can I put it on again? I have washed my feet, how can I defile them? My beloved put his hand by the latch of the door, and my heart yearned for him. I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh, on the handles of the lock. We note that in this given place of scripture, the dialogue of the most beautiful of women with her beloved Lord reveals the sacred relationship of the holy people, also their coming meeting with the Lord when he appears in the air, this serves for them for these holy people as evidence of their readiness to meet with him. Therefore, if we truly have loved the coming of the Lord, then it will be necessary for us to reveal and examine ourselves whether we are ready to meet him in the air when he appears for those who wait for him in salvation in their heart, and to yield and identify specific signs in the dialogue of the most beautiful of women and her Lord, serving as evidence that she is ready to meet to to meet her Lord in the air, we, thanks to the revelations of the Holy Spirit, studying this dialogue in Hebrew presented a more expanded or elaborate version. I am submerged into the death of my Lord, in which I have died for my nation, for my house, and for my corrupt desires. But my inner person in the resurrection of my Lord is vigilant in prayer. Here is the calling cry of my beloved that by the knock upon my door proclaims the ability to use his right to the power to reveal his strength in the works of righteousness. Now open to me my, my sister overfilled with my peace, one that does not have evil in her heart, my beloved friend and the one who is loved by me, incomparable with any, my dove, my pure one, one without blemish or wickedness. Because the authority that represents me, sent by me to you, is overfilled with the words of life and the power of my spirit, and the people that follow after them died for sin so that they may live for righteousness and perform righteousness. I have taken off the robe of the old sinful man with his deeds, collaborating my cross with the cross of Christ, and do not desire to be dressed in him any more, because I have allowed my feet to be washed, admitting my sins before the sons of my mother. I also washed their feet forgiving their sins and do not desire to defile my feet again by sinning against the sons of my mother. 
My beloved, for evidence of his love, has stretched out his hand to me because of the offering which I presented, testifying of my respect towards God and called me to liberty from the dependence of the old man with his deeds and has given me the strength to restrain my mouth and place a guard over my mouth and my insides began to worry when he began to act and i rose from ruins of death by the power of his resurrection and i caught, cast off the burden of the old law so that the beloved would be able to carve upon the tablets of my heart the words of the new testament that would be able to clothe me into his righteousness so that my mouth would be able to be filled with fragrant praise and the words of the of my mouth like myrrh would produce incense from the four horns of the golden altar of incense that is in my heart and so in this dialogue we paid attention to five moments and these are the moment of the most beautiful of women when she confesses her state as a whole the voice of the beloved being in response to her state the first reaction of the most beautiful of women to the voice of the beloved, the behavior of the beloved in response to the most beautiful of women, and the second reaction of the most beautiful of women to the behavior of the beloved. In the previous services, we have already studied two moments and have been studying the third moment, a very important moment. But before we continue to study the third moment, we will shortly remind ourselves of the first two. The first moment, I am submerged in the baptism into the death of my Lord, in which I died for my nation, my house, and my corrupt desires, but my inner person in the resurrection of my Lord is vigilant in prayer. We came to the conclusion that in this place of Scripture, to remain in the ark, as we talked about the ark of Noah, when the rain stopped and everything was quiet, it wasn't quiet. If you remember that winds, the winds did not stop even after the rains fell. If you look at the ocean, is the ocean ever quiet? That is completely quiet. It does not happen. Uh, in lakes this happens, but on the, in the ocean it's never quiet. There's always waves. And waves in different uh, places on the earth are very, are very different. And if you imagine if the whole earth is covered by water and winds are moving, what kind of waves there will be and what will be happening with this arc that will be completely go underwater and come out of the water and waves will be casting it from one side to the other. And so that's why the scriptures say, my poor one who is cast by these winds and so this death where you are where you're being cast from one side to the other and no one can comfort you one who is not comforted and so while you're in this ark you are not able to be comforted but at the same time she in the resurrection of the Lord is vigilant in prayer I believe that Noah also, at the same time, in his spirit, he was in the resurrection of Christ. He looked at this. He waited when he will come out of this death, out of this ark. And the moment came when the dove brought a green 
olive branch and he understood that the wrath of God had finished and the work has been done and he can then be dressed into his resurrection and so this is the same way here the, the most beautiful of women she has one and the other we came to the conclusion that the most beautiful of women confesses the faith of her heart that identifies the state of her heart as well as her state as a whole in which she is submerged into the death of the Lord Jesus but where her heart is vigilant in prayer in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. In other words, her prayer was completely different. She was not uh, it was not like when it was she was in the ark and being tossed it was very different she was proclaimed the non-existent as existent Vid, to be vigilant the word to be vigilant is to be sober to be able to judge to be awake to stay away from sin or filth to lean away from evil to hallow your dedication to watch for the signs of the times to watch that the will of God be fulfilled and stand guard of the interests of the Lord in the second moment here in the more elaborated version here's the voice of my beloved that knocks open for me my sister my love my dove my perfect one proclaim the ability to use the right to the power to reveal his strength in the works of righteousness now open to me my sister overfold with my peace one that does not have evil in her heart my beloved friend and one that is loved by me incomparable with any my dove my pure one one without blemish or wickedness because the authority that represents me sent by me to you is overfilled with the words of life and the power of my spirit and the people that follow after them died for sin so that they may live for righteousness and perform righteousness and so God's authority, God's leaders, and the chosen remainder that follow after them in the power of the Holy Spirit, they are sent to you, to the beloved. The hand of the beloved are the delegated representatives of God that are filled with the revelations about his strength. The people of God or God's chosen remainder follow them. This is their uh, sermons, and the latch of the door through which the beloved stretches his hand is a living sacrifice. This is how the most beautiful of women presented herself before the Lord. In the third moment, in the elaborated version, we see the response of the most beautiful of women to the revelation of, the, of God that it, she received through the latch of the door in the dew and the drops. As we together now understand that the latch of the door through which the beloved stretches hand is presented yourself to God as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable for his wise service <clears throat> and to offer yourself as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God for the most beautiful of women it was necessary to take off the off of herself the robe of the old man with its deeds I've taken off the robe of the old sinful man with his deeds collaborating my cross with the cross of Christ and do not desire to be dressed in him anymore because I've allowed my feet to be washed admitting my sins before the sons of my mother I also washed their feet forgiving their sins and do not desire to defile them again by sinning against the sons of my mother we note that in Hebrew the phrase I have taken off my robe is to tear off the skin from a living animal and so when it says to take off my robe I've allowed this, my skin to be torn off or removed so that I may lose my former way of life before a person is clothed into humility and receives the ability then to admit his sins before the sons of his mother and forgive the sons 
of his mother, the sins that they have done against her, he, <coughs> she will need to take off the robe <coughs> of the old man. Until you take off this robe of the old man, you will not admit your sins and will not ask for forgiveness if you are guilty. And so for this reason, it will be necessary to carry your cross with the cross of Christ and to be able to refresh our mind how to collaborate our cross with the cross of Christ where we receive the opportunity or ability to remove our old, the robe of the old man to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable for good and reasonable service. We turn to the co uh, commandments and statutes of God that explain our collaboration of our cross with the cross of Christ. Due to these requirements, we needed to remember what <coughs> differences our cross has from the cross of Christ. And also, based upon what principles is our cross able to and is called to collaborate with the cross of Christ. Otherwise, having the ability to mix our faith with the faith of God, we will not know what truth we need to mix or what uh, truth you need to be obedient to and by what signs are we able to determine that our crosses collaborating with the cross of Christ and not its counterfeit understanding these questions will allow us carrying our cross collaborate with the cross of Christ and also will allow us to take off our the robe of the old man and wash our feet in a particular format as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith we already looked at the essence of the cross of Christ and our cross and clearly uh, went through the differences of our cross with the cross of Christ and have been studying the next question based upon what principles can our cross is able to collaborate with the cross of Christ or what price is to be paid for the right to collaborate our cross with the cross of Christ and to identify the principles that we are to collaborate with to, to, to carry our cross with the cross of Christ we turn to the places of scripture that show these requirements the image of the cross of Christ the image of the cross of Christ is in the 12 stones that were placed at the bottom of Jordan that uh, pretty much meant the victory that they had over death. And so this, is a, this was a very interesting story and incident when the priests were carrying the Ark of the Covenant upon them themselves and in history, this is not something I and so it was 12 kilometers wide and, uh, and 12 meters uh, deep. That's how it was the water at the time when they were crossing over it. And when the snows melt at the time and the water becomes deeper and wider, and it was a symbol of death. To be able to enter into the promised land, you needed to cross through the Jordan, through death. It was a symbol of the cross of Christ or the death of Jesus. And to be able to cross, the priest needed to walk and the rest of the nation needed to be 12,000 cubits behind them. If there was a very interesting uh, thing in this story, if you paid attention. Take one person from every tribe, one person from every tribe, and let them walk ahead of the priests. 
They walked. It wasn't the priests who walked who were walking first, but these 12 young men that walked ahead of the priests. And after, after these men, the priests walked, and they walked into the Jordan, and the water that came was coming from from the top stopped and that that was the one that was there uh, kept going and 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 it, and it emptied and so you needed to take 12 stones uh, from the bottom of the river and and bring them up to the surface and take them out and you need to take 12 stones from the dry land and place them at the bottom of the river and so however terrible the death may look the cross of Christ and these 12 stones is strong to and capable to stop death death was defeated by the cross of Christ and so when your children ask what are these 12 stones and you'll say you'll be able to tell them that the, this is when the nation of God was walking that God stopped the Jordan this is victory over death that you you may always see these 12 stones this is the symbol of the cross of Christ and the image of our cross is in the 12 stones that the altar or uh, was built of by itself, these 12 stones of the altar talked about the motives of the human heart, the will to know the will of God that is perfect. And the living sacrifice that was upon this altar is the means that is used to reach this goal or these motives. The first offering, the li first living offering or sacrifice that li was raised or offered that is, it was Jesus himself who had revealed to us with his living sacrifice the path of his blood. We know that Jesus was not killed and hung on the cross. They hung him living on the cross. And first they removed his skin uh, uh, with, with, uh, because they flogged him. They flogged him so much that all his skin was removed with, uh, with flesh. And just as he is uh, still alive, they hung him on the cross. And so the living sacrifice offered upon the altar of the 12 stones is the key to the inheritance that is contained in the blood of the cross of Christ. Because the inheritance is in the blood. Blood is the life of Christ. This is his inheritance, everything that's in it. And that is what we're striving for. But to be able to enter it or have access to it, we need the key. And the key is in the cross itself. In the New Jerusalem, the symbol of the living sacrifice, the offering upon the 12, uh, on the altar of 12 stones was, we, we see the symbol in the 12 pearly gates. We see the 12 pearly gates and the tree of life as well. And so, if you see in, in scripture, this tree of life, to be able to come to this resurrection, the tree of life offered fruit and one fruit a month and for 12 months. And so to be able to come to these pearly gates, we need these principles or understand these principles in these pearly gates. 
We needed to study the names of the 12 tribes of Israel that were written upon the pearly gates that identified the requirements of collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ. Revelation 21, 10 through 27. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God, her light was like the most precious stone, like a jasper stone clear as crystal. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And you know that a pearl is the result of the suffering of a clam. It, it, something falls, it, or it falls into the clam inside and she can't push it out of herself and, and it begin, she begins to uh, <coughs> wrap it with, these, with the pearl. And the entire life of the and so the reason for the uh, pearl, the existence of the pearl is the suffering of this clam. And so God showed that the, the, the foreign that we have in ourselves, this strange whatever it is, is the mortal body and uh, we're continually uh, 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 coating it with this pearl. Uh, the su and, and the suffering continues and due to the suffering this pearl is formed and so the twelve pearly gates is the unity of the twelve virtues that the living sacrifice has in their unity these qualities or virtues are the order that these twelve pearly gates have and so these principles are not able to be presented independent one from the other. That's why you need to accept them or receive them together in one because they uh, pretty much uh, confirm one the other and they fill one the other. The 12 names that were written upon these pearly gates identify the character of that gate. The gates of the city shall be named after the, after the tribes of Israel. The three gates northward, one gate for Reuben, one gate for Judah, and one gate for Levi. In Revelation, it was written just the names, but here is, it's specified what gates with what name. The northward gates, there are three gates, Reuben, one for Judah, and one for Levi. On the east side, 4,500 cubits, this is the city itself and three gates, one gate for Joseph, one gate for Benjamin, and one gate for Dan. On the south side, measuring 4,500 cubits, three gates, one gate for Simeon, one gate for Issachar, and one for gate for Zebulun. On the western side, 4,500 cubits with their three gates. One gate for Gad, one gate for Asher, and one gate for Nephtali. All way around shall be 18,000 cubits, and the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. Ezekiel 48, 31 through 35. Studying these names, the names of the tribes of Israel that were written upon these pearly gates and that identified the requirements 
in collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ, we came to the necessity to concentrate not on the patriarchs themselves, but the meaning of the names that they have. The meanings of their names is our inheritance in Jesus Christ, and we will see the requirements also that we need to collaborate with to carry a cross with the cross of Christ. And identifying the pearly gate within our heart is measuring them by the golden wreath that is with the mind of Christ through the instruction of faith. We began to measure the pearly gate with the prophecy of Ezekiel from the northward side. The gates of the city shall be named after the tribes of Israel, the three gates northward, one gate for Reuben, one gate for Judah, and one gate for Levi. We note that in the, the heart of a person, the northward side is the place where the personified glory of God is, that is the Son of God, from which it rises and does its great work. If you were attentive reading the Old Testament, you paid attention that the offering was always brought on the northward side. That's where it was slaughtered. And so the northward side is the place where this glory, <coughs> glory remains or, or continues. Isaiah 41, 25, I have raised up one from the north, this is talking about Jesus, and he shall come from the rising of the sun, he shall call on my name, and he shall come against princes as though mortar, as the potter treads clay. In the prophet, Ezek in the prophet Ezekiel, in the first two chapters, uh, he talks about a whirlwind and a fire where we saw a glowing as if from am as if uh, amber and this glory was a result of the cross of Christ where God revealed his glory in the previous services we studied uh, the first three names uh, that were on the northward side of uh, the New Jerusalem. I shall remind us, the first name that was written upon the pearly gate presented on the northern side are the names of Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob, who is the strength and the first descendant of, its, of his strength. Genesis 49.3, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Genesis 49.3. We came to the conclusion the first principle placed in the foundation of the following principles that we need to collaborate with, with uh, in order to collaborate our cross with the cross of Christ is honor God with <clears throat> our first fruits to be able to be the holy portion of God the holy part of God to ident we need to identify ourselves with the offering we bring otherwise the offerings of tithes that we bring to God will not be honoring God honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine Proverbs 3 9 10 it is written the new wine and when this new wine is talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. The second name written upon the pearly gate presented on the northern side is the name Judah, the fourth son of Jacob, whose name means praising Yahweh. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Genesis 29, 35. 
Based upon the definition of the name of Judah written upon the second pearly gate, we came to the conclusion that the principle that we need to collaborate with carrying our cross with the cross of Christ is praising Yahweh. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy, for the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. <coughs> Psalm 33, 1-4. So only the righteous who have accepted uh, justification freely have the right to sing this new song because they've accepted justification freely based upon the New Testament. In the New Old Testament, there was no justification because the law condemned a person and... <coughs> In the New Testament, uh, <coughs> a person was given righteousness because of Jesus Christ himself. The third name written upon the pearly gate presented on the northern side is the name Levi, the third son of Jacob, whose name means binded to or clinged to. <coughs> Leah, she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons, therefore his name will, was called Levi. Genesis 29:34. The name Levi written upon the third pearly gate. We came to the conclusion that the principle that we are to collaborate with, to collaborate our cross with the cross of Christ is our ability or our decision to cling to the Lord. In order to cling to the Lord, you need to not be conformed with anyone else and don't. you need to die for everything else that is not God. Joshua 23, 7, 8. Unless you go among those nations whose these who remain among you. You shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them, nor bow down to them, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. Joshua 23, 7, 8. The next side in prophet Ezekiel 3, we see three pearly gates on the eastern side of the new Jerusalem. And on the east side, 4,500 cubits, three gates, one gate for Joseph, one gate for Benjamin, and one gate for Dan. Ezekiel 48.32 Therefore, the fourth name written upon the pearly gate presented on the eastern side is the name Joseph, the eleventh son of Jacob, whose name means God shall <coughs> give or add more children. Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb, and she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. So she called his name Joseph and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. Based upon the definition of the name of Joseph, the principle that we need to collaborate with, collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ, is our ability to expand ourselves in God. 
Isaiah 54, 2, 3. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the, certain, the curtains of their dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Isaiah 54, 2, 3. To expand or enlarge the effect of the cross of Christ over everything that belongs to us by right. God said, this entire nation of Israel, or the Canaanite land, I give to you. And you need to expand, enlarge your 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 boundaries your, your, to the right and to the left. You need to conquer all. Just as we said, when the nation of Israel entered into the promised land, the first city was Jericho. They conquered it, but it didn't mean that they conquered the entire nation of Israel, the entire Canaanite land. They needed to, this was the will of God, to conquer the entire land, to <coughs> separate it from those nations. And this was possible with the cross, the cross of Christ, collaborating your cross with the cross of Christ. And so when we will be conquering these nations and fill the emptied uh, cities, we need to empty these cities and destroy those nations, destroy its principles, its wor form of worship because they are amongst us. <coughs> This is what today we call, or the scriptures call, commitment of the fathers that's committed to the religious sects that uh, were passed down to you for thousands of years that were built up many things that were built up that were not the will of God or have anything to the scripture anything to do with the scriptures but just the habits of men or the, the ideas of men and they pay people pay more attention to those things than the word of God itself and so all these things you need to remove we repent we enter into the church and the church we, where we enter we first are the promised land ourselves and the church is the promised land that we enter into but the church itself is the gathering of saved nations but this gathering of saved nations will not all be saved but only amongst them the small uh, a flock and the small flock needs this entire powerful gathering of people uh, empty that empty it uh, uh, from those who have another form of worship look at what uh, people focus upon today the Protestant churches the Orthodox, what do they concentrate on today? They concentrate on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, rebuking demons, blessings, evangelism, good work. These are the things that they focus or concentrate on. No one concentrates on the, on the cross to die for this religious uh, way, form of behavior and not to uh, be under one yoke with them, not to concentrate on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They say, how then do we have these gifts of the Holy Spirit? We don't need to focus upon them or concentrate upon them. We need to apply them and we need to know why we need to apply them. If you don't know why you need to do this, then you'll never bear fruit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit 
they are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When a person comes to God, uh, there will be uh, great miracles and signs that, uh, that begin happening in the life of this person. But you need for all of this to die later so that the fruit, is, you can start bearing fruit. But people don't want to leave that. They continue to want to have gifts, 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 and gifts and not bear fruit. But to have gifts, you need to bear fruit first. Seed is given to us, the seed is given to us freely. The fruit is not given to us freely. And so, a lot of preachers today uh, say, freely, freely, God has given to us everything freely. The seed is given to us freely, yes. The guarantee is given to us freely. But if this guarantee is not uh, invested and you will not die, it will not die. If the seed will not die in the earth when it's planted, then it will remain. You will not bear any fruit. You will lose the kingdom of heaven. You'll lose the salvation. And so the rest of so-called Christianity, and we need to expand our our, our dwellings uh, in our life, not destroy anything in them. We need to destroy that in ourselves because we are... Uh, together in the nation of saved people and we in our understanding in our worship in our consideration of God destroy these false uh, signs of worship forms of worship uh, forms of sanctification look at these encounters this is a clear demonic teaching that has nothing to do the, with the gospel. It is a demonic teaching and today it has captured most of the Protestant movements. Not understanding that sanctification is not two or three days of fasting, but your entire life when your skin is removed from you and you agree to do this, where you commit yourself to death, <clears throat> where you in this ark and you are not comforted, you're tossed, but your heart is vigilant in prayer. You proclaim resurrection in the death as Jesus did in hell. He proclaimed his resurrection. <clears throat> he said, in the third day, I will resurrect. <clears throat> when he was on the cross, he, he was hanging on the cross. He said, I will resurrect. He told the disciples, wait in Galilee. Galilee. In three days I will resurrect again. I will come and see you. This, and my heart is vigilant in prayer, it proclaims the non-existent as existent. Look at what, at, at these things. If you don't have this, then you're not carrying your cross. You're just saying, oh, the cross, you're just uh, speaking it in uh, slogans or titles, but, and these slogans were spoken always when I was a child in our churches, but explaining the principles of carrying a cross or explaining the difference of our cross and the cross of Jesus. Uh, none of this was explained. It was just, just all mixed up. And so it's very important to expand or enlarge our boundaries over all that we are responsible for. <clears throat> In ourselves, there are aspects that are not uh, captured by salvation. We have conquered one city with, the, with Jesus, and we need to conquer the rest of the cities as well within ourselves so we fully become gods. The fifth name written upon the pearly gate presented on the eastern side is the name Benjamin, the twelfth son of Jacob, whose name means the son of my right hand.
The son of my right hand. A son that can be relied upon or a son that can be trusted and, and that you can hope upon. Genesis 35, 16 through 18. Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor. Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have this son also. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Ben-Oni. But his father called him Ben-Jamin. Ben-Oni is the son of my sorrow. But the father called him Benjamin. <coughs> the son of my right hand. My hope. My trust. And so based uh, on the definition of the name of Benjamin, on the fifth pearly gate, the principle that we need to collaborate with is our decision to hope upon God. I didn't just read these, this place of scripture, one bears and dies and calls her, her child the the son of my sorrow and the other one says the son of my comfort the son of my hope my right hand to hope upon God in this time Jacob saw this sorrow but he said I will hope upon God <clears throat> through the suffering with the suffering I will there will also be resurrection that will follow Proverbs 3:13 through 26 What does it mean to hope upon God Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold she is more precious than rubies and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her length of days in her right hand and her left hand riches and honor her ways are are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace she is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth, by understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths were broken up, and the clouds dropped drop down the dew. My son, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they will be life for your soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way. And, and your way and your foot will not stumble when you lie down you will not be afraid yes you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet do not be afraid of sun and terror nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes Proverbs 3.13-26 through 26. <clears throat> Collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ we will experience suffering and sorrow our life will feel like it's leaving us we will lose it <clears throat> but the other part of us, our spirit, will be vigilant in prayer and will proclaim the Lord is my hope. Abraham offering Isaac <coughs> believed that God was able to resurrect him. The seed will be in, in Isaac. God promised. God promised this. Abraham 
It is important that we confess the faith of our heart. Jacob confessed the faith of his heart. She was, was speaking <coughs> of what was reality. She was dying. And so that what needs to die in us is our nation, our house, and our desires, our fantasies, even good ones. But God will uh, put an end to all ideas and fantasies that are good and will show his will. One brother wrote me a letter. He said, I see myself preaching upon a st in a stadium somewhere. But do you not see yourself in the death of the Lord Jesus? You don't see yourself upon the altar with your skin physically removed. When you're on a stadium, you feel like you're, you have great glory. But imagine if you are dying for this glory, for this uh, preaching, for these gospel, uh, for, for preaching the gospel and for, uh, or, or evangelizing uh, these, the ser these services. And so everything, and, and Apostle Paul writes that everything that he considered important, he was, uh, he learned at the feet of Gamaliel, a respected uh, teacher, one of the elders at the time. He said, I had to, I've denied everything that I considered uh, important or uh of meaning, and he chose the cross because he saw that great importance. And so here to hope upon God is possible when you are in the death of Jesus Christ. If you're not in the death of Jesus Christ, then you don't need to hope. Hope is needed. The purpose of hope is when you have no foundation, when everything of the world disappears. Her life was leaving her. She was losing it. She needed to continue to hope. But she and Jacob, as they were one, then this is her husband. A husband and wife is one. He proclaimed hope. Uh, upon God and called him Benjamin. And so when you see Benoni, our promises are dying for us, then we need to proclaim that I hope upon the Lord. He said, I will look upon his word. And he took my weaknesses, my sicknesses upon the cross. And I believe in this, I see this. And he focused his mind upon the Lord and did not turn away. And you will not then be caught with some kind of sin. The sixth name written upon the pearly gate presented on the eastern side is the name Dan, the fifth son of Jacob, whose name means God has judged. Genesis 36, then Rachel said, God has judged my case, and he has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore, she called his name Dan. Genesis 36, the name Dan 
written upon the sixth pearly gate, the principle that we need to collaborate with, carrying our cross with the cross of Christ, is our calling to perform God's judgment. There's a place of scripture, John 7, 22 through 24. Moses therefore gave you circumcision, although it's not from Moses himself. Not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. It comes from Abraham, not from Moses. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, so the, the law of Moses would not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. <clears throat> We see the principle of collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ. The fact that Jesus healed on the Sabbath, they were angry at him. And then he says, and if on the Sabbath a person is circumcised, if in the eighth day, if the eighth day was the Sabbath day, it was the it was is a Sabbath day, and you do this, don't be angry at me that I healed this person on the Sabbath. We know what this means, why Jesus decided to heal on the Sabbath here. He said, listen, there are six days. Why you didn't do anything in six days, and in the seventh day you decided to heal? But he said, because it is not a person for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath for a person. Sabbath is the church of Jesus Christ. This is the bride. This is the chosen remainder. Not just all saved nations, but the chosen remainder from those saved nations. Those God calls the Sabbath. God is not at rest with all, but all those who pay the price, who take this cross and collaborate their cross with the cross of Christ. This talks about us being a part of the Sabbath. Without us being a part of the Sabbath, it is not possible to collaborate our cross with the cross of Christ. You need to judge that everything that God does, He does through the church and in the church. That the church, that is the bride. The bride is always the church, but the church is not always the bride. Then meaning the bride, everything that God does, He does only upon the territory of the kingdom of heaven. This is His territory. This is His kingdom. The saved nations are not His kingdom. His, ki his kingdom is the chosen remainder. This is His kingdom. And we need to understand and be a part of this bride to judge god has god, god had judged when it says god had judged this is a separation from of yourself so that you may be the bride the chosen not just called but to be the chosen there are many called but few are chosen it is very important to be within that number and it does not depend from god it depends from us we ourselves decide whether we're chosen or not it depends on whether we agree to lose our soul that is our nation our house and our personal desires if we are not ready or, or willing because these corrupt desires save people with their corrupt desires 
they will reveal them in preaching the gospel. They'll want to do good work and good deeds for other people. They want to practice gifts of the Holy Spirit and want to, and they'll create all, uh, uh, classes for teaching. In many churches, they teach people how to heal. And people go there. <coughs> I was in one church once, and they made these... Uh, uh, points of prayer and those who wanted to pray for the pastor they would there were literally sections where you can go to pray for what you wanted to pray for there was for the pastor for gifts of the Holy Spirit the, uh, the gifts of healing uh, enlightenment and I saw when they said the mo most the most people were uh, under uh, the the sign of enlightenment or the point of enlightenment or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And when I looked at this, I, I, I became embarrassed and uncomfortable. And so there were only two people. Only two people were actually play, praying for the pastor. Everybody else was praying for gifts of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> I looked at this and I thought, all this, this, this large percentage will fall away. Those who will be saved will be those who pray for the pastor. <coughs> because through, through him will they receive this salvation. Through him will they receive this kingdom. They will not receive kingdom for, from uh, the focus of enlightenment or gifts of the Holy Spirit. They'll receive it through their pastor. And of course, and they say, well, the pastor is a man, he can make mistakes, and in order to uh, calm their conscience uh, so that they don't have to obey him, and so they say, you make mistakes here, here, and here, in their mind, of course, he's making mistakes. Um, it's very important, this name Dan, that we understand that Jesus heals there where his kingdom is and from the position of the Sabbath when we will be belong to the Sabbath that is God's order there is a head there's only one head there's not two heads but I have a wife but I don't have she has, doesn't have the anointing that that I do but in the many hooligan uh, movements the husband and wives have the same anointing level of anointing and the wife corrects everybody and does the same thing as a husband or the other way if the wife has great anointing greater than me then I will be obedient to her and I'll be her helper in spirit and so in every movement, in every church, there needs to be one pastor, man or woman, the rest need to be helpers, and in the presence of this person, not to correct anyone. But to instruct and, test and, and to uh, present their testimony. People can do this from the name of the pastor, whether man or woman, but not independent from him or her. Considering this, that the Lord shows his mercy to his people 
through this principle of the cross that I want to finish today, this word, the principle of carrying our cross to be a part of the bride of the Lamb that follows after one person and not after a brotherly council. It is good that the pastor has a brotherly council and if he turns to them for counsel, this is a brotherly council that does not tell the pastor what to do, but, but God tells the pastor what to do. What is a brotherly council that they can judge us uh, of, of smaller cases or situations and the rest given to the pastor? The real functions of a brotherly council, they don't have the right to... <clears throat> Uh, tell the pastor what to preach because God, God does that through the Holy Spirit. When the Sanhedrin, the first Sanhedrin, when it was created, uh, when Moses told, when God told Moses, separate for yourself wise men that you know in the nation, and I will take of your spirit and put upon them so that not just you alone carry and choose for yourself these men. And when you choose these men, then God said through Moses, let them decide and uh, and and uh, deal with the smaller cases and uh, and if it's a larger case then they will come and bring it to you and so when the Sanhedrin decided something the high priest could come at any time and say I cancel this and the Sanhedrin wouldn't be upset the Sanhedrin just dealt with smaller cases or situations and they knew perfectly that at any, at any time the high priest can come and correct or change that the role of a high priest in every church is is the pastor and he is not to be corrected by the brotherly council he can at any time change the the decisions that are made and cancel them out if necessary and so that is the role of their brotherly council, but in the most part of the churches, the brotherly councils are terrible and are absolutely against God's will, against God's order. They, they instruct their pastor, and the pastor is not the head, but this uh, many-headed beast is then the leader of the church instead of the pastor. And so it's very important that the bride of the Lamb, she has one head, and the brotherly council does not uh, instruct the pastor in the church but uh, listens to the pastor and the pastor tend, tend them and they help him help others let us bend our knees and pray and everyone who desires to mm, oppose and go against any kind of sicknesses weaknesses sins uh, God can help you be victorious to call the non-existent as existent. Let us pray and the Holy Spirit is on your side. Come to the altar, we will pray for you. You to deeply believe that God is on your side and He is not against you, He is for you. 
he is ready right now with your confessions and admittance of your sins to free you and to proclaim you again guiltless before his face to deliver you from fear, sicknesses, weaknesses and untimely death close your eyes this is your secret room lift your hands to the Lord a sign that you're ready to receive from the Lord what he desires to give you pray together with me Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ I come to you with my fears with my weaknesses with my sicknesses with my dependence I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal my wounds, heal my pain, deliver me from sickness, deliver me from fear, deliver me from weakness, because you had taken all this upon yourself, and I lift my eyes, and I see that you took all of this upon yourself, and so I open up my heart, and I accept your blessing, I accept my healing. I accept my freedom from all dependence to be dependent only on you. And I thank you for my healing, for my justification, and for my salvation. May your blessing the blessing of healing and freedom be upon me and my children. I worship together my great God's Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with a shining face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they will not touch you. May all of these blessings come upon you, the blessing of the hills and the valleys. May they be upon you and your children and be fulfilled upon you. The nation shall say, Amen. And now all of us together, let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.